We live, baby. We live. No, we have some banger questions. I feel like these are actually really good. I always am hesitant to do Q and A's because like sometimes when we do Q and A boxes, like on our own Instagram, sometimes we get like, like the creatine questions where you're like, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> if you're not taking creatine by now, like just no, stop. So for this week, we're going to be doing a Q and A. This is our first Q and A. Um, and we got some, we did get some banger questions. So we've been just plugging and playing and chugging and doing all those things. Um, we have, how many questions do we have? Two, four, six, eight, almost 10, nine, 10. So it's pretty good, good amount. And, um, we're just here to one, give y'all something different than what we usually do. Give us some diff- give us some refreshing differences on what we normally do, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, it can feel a little bit like we're coming on here and just giving you info. So we like to we like to switch it up. We like to have some where we're just conversing. It's more personal. And you all really like those ones, actually. Yeah. I think that people respond to those more. I think still episode two is like the favorite. I still get posts for mental health for the mental oh, health. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we should call our real talk just shooting the shit because I feel like that's all we okay. do. <laughs> okay, so we'll call it shooting the shit. Shooting the shit. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have um uh we'll change that. So it won't be we'll no longer be real talks, y'all. We won't call them real talks, we'll just shooting shoot the, the shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> um oh all right. Well, we'll go ahead and just start going along with these questions. So the first question is how do you adjust protocol when your client is sick? How do you adjust protocol? Well, it depends on what well, I don't really adjust their protocol. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't adjust their protocol. Um, you tell them to rest. So you don't, I mean, don't be an asshole and go to the gym. I have a whole post about like being sick and going to the gym. Um, right. Don't be an asshole and go to the gym. Don't put your immune system through that because it's already compromised. Um, you do not, you not working out because you're sick or not training because you're sick is going to help you more than you going to train while sick. Exactly. Um, because it, your, your immune system's already compromised. And by adding in that extra stress, you're making it worse. Um, as far as eating now, when you're sick, most of the time you don't have an appetite, like you're not going to want to eat. So what I tell my clients is eat what you can, um, have a, an emphasis on carbohydrates and protein, um, because we need the protein, but mostly like the body needs carbs and energy to heal itself. So, I mean, even if I I just tell them to emphasize those specific two macronutrients, and then if they can get their fats in great, if they can eat the rest of their meals, great. Um, but that depends on the sickness. Like if you have a cold, you can probably eat. Like you just can't taste anything and it sucks. If you have the flu and you can't keep anything down um, or you're just deathly sick, like you just can't do anything, it's unlikely you're going to be able to eat. So I tell them to just eat what they can and to focus on hydration, rest, don't do anything. I don't care about your steps. I don't care about your training. I just want you to get better. Um, And so, yeah, like you, you just chill out. That's, that's what you do. That's all you can do, but you never push them or tell them, to do things that they shouldn't be doing or out, out of integrity for integrity's sake, um, especially having them in the gym when they should not be in the gym. Um, so yeah. What about you, Ash? No, I mean, I think you pretty much er- nailed everything that I would do, but I really do emphasize during this time, since they're not training, they're not getting their steps. It's like, 
take this time to focus on some stress management and stress relief tactics. Like actually take that Epsom salt bath that you've been meaning Mm -hmm. to do for the past month. Like Mm -hmm. actually, you know, do gentle things like yoga, like not hot yoga, like not like, you know, a super like intense yoga, but like stretch, move your body. Cause like when you're sick, sometimes you get like extra, like just locked up. So like try to keep your body fluid, like Mm -hmm. keep yourself warm. Mm-hmm. But by no means should we be like, oh, this is a good day to do cardio. Like, no, like, mm-hmm. like Britt said, like, don't train, don't do cardio, like mm-hmm. keep your body loose and limber. But like, you know, if you have a step goal of like 10,000 steps and you're super sick, mm-hmm. don't get 10,000 steps. Like you yeah, guys have to think it, it's honestly not like, no. you know, if we're talking like, especially now if we're doing like, I don't know if we can say the, the, the word without like flags going up but with the current state of <laughs> sickness like if you get sick with that sickness like fucking stay home like yeah like just don't go to the gym please just like take care it. of yourself mm-hmm. um, I mean if if you even if you know like you have that or you know you're kind of sick but you can you can manage steps and you can manage like doing outdoor things then go ahead but again like it's not the that's not the priority right you know the priority is stress management I mean like if I had, I mean, I don't want to be sick, but if, if I ever couldn't go to the gym or I had more time on my hands because of it, I would be, I would be stress relieving the heck out of myself. I would be sleeping extra. You know, I would be taking baths. I would doing my own personal facials. I would be self-caring. And so that's exactly, that's the time where you want to self-care because honestly, do you ever really give yourself time to do it? when you don't have that, I don't want to say excuse, but when you don't have that going on, no. So, um, take that time to, to stress, like use it Mm -hmm. as stress relief, you know? Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, just tone it down, understand that it's temporary. And when your body's feeling hundred percent, like ease back into it, like Mm -hmm. don't go like four or five days of no training back mm-hmm. to failure training. Like hopefully yeah. your coach will mention, Oh, we're, Hey, we're going to do like three or four RIR, which is still training. Like you're still yeah. working hard, but like pull back until failure until like a week, maybe two weeks until like you feel a hundred percent again, because again, like the last thing you want to do is go back balls to the walls. Your body's not ready for it. And then you kind of open up your immune system to being mm-hmm. even more susceptible to getting sick again yeah. with either the same thing or something different, which again, is just totally defeating the purpose. So when in doubt, just rest. Yeah. And you know what? That's a good point as far as like easing yourself into it, because most people that go back to the gym after being sick, they're not a hundred percent and they know it. Um, and that's why it's a good idea to, to leave reps in the tank and to not go to failure. It's not like you just decided to take four days off and you're getting back into the gym. You have to remember like your immune system is compromised you're stressed still because you're not completely healed. And because more than likely you're not a hundred percent, like you've decided to go into the gym because you feel like you can. Right. Right. So it wouldn't be a good idea to go back to failure. This isn't a situation where you just decided to take a few days off. There's so many other things that happened to your body during that time that you definitely want to ease yourself back in, leave reps in the tank. Um, Just get yourself back into the gym. Like my goal for, clients that are sick for like more than a week or more than like a few days four or five days and they're death like they're really sick is to the goal this upcoming week if you can if you feel better is to get to the gym two times a week or two times this week if you can like and Mm -hmm. no failure training you know because some of them want to 
some of them want to um and they're gonna do it whether or not you tell them yes right. or no so i'll tell them like okay if you want to i don't want any more than two or three days like no failure training leave reps in the tank i'll usually give them a count like four rar three or four and right. then move back on you know to as they ease into it the next couple of weeks because you never know if it could get worse you never like you have no idea it could exactly. pop back up especially with i'm just gonna say especially with covid like yep. some people feel better and they think they're fine and then boom they they fall back into it right um, because they've done too much so just keep that in mind exactly. good question Next question. Do you ever approach clients about competing or do you let them bring it up a hundred percent? Um, honestly, I will not mention it. Like, obviously I live by example because I am a competitor, but truth be told, if you want to be successful in this sport, like you should be the one to bring it up. Like the client should bring it up to the coach because the coach, if the coach pressures the client into competing one, the client most likely isn't going to be that successful because it's not like they don't have a strong enough. Why? Like their why is, Oh, my, my coach wants me to, mm-hmm. which when the going gets tough, like that's not a strong enough why to keep you going. So I believe that coaches, um, especially when you are dealing with bodybuilders, like they should educate and they should guide, you know, a lifestyle client if they want to become a competitor. But I think it should be on the client's heart and the athlete's heart to want to kind of take that next step because it is a big ass step. Mm-hmm. and then, you know, tell the coach, but the, I don't think the coach should put pressure on the athlete because of marketing and stuff like that, because yeah, that might make the coach look good if the client does really well. But at the same time, I just feel like bodybuilding should be a passion that lights like a fire within, and that should come from the heart, not from peer pressure. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if, I don't know if maybe asking is pressure, like if they've thought about it, I've never done that. I've never, I personally, I've never asked a client like, Hey, have you ever thought about competing? Would you ever, is that something Mm -hmm. you'd like? I've never done that because I've never had to like all of the people that I feel have potential to do that on my roster have brought it up to me because they know their, they know their potential. And, um, I honestly haven't had a client in it long, like, well, not long enough, but in it a hundred percent to where they're not deviating from their protocol to where like they're doing exactly what they need to every single day, day to day to where I was like, Hey, like you kind of lived a lifestyle. Like, have you ever thought about, I've never had that because most Mm -hmm. lifestyle clients are not there. Like, and they don't think about it. They don't do that type of thing. So I, uh, I don't. And I think, I think that the ones that have brought it up, I've been honest with them. And if their lifestyle, I've been honest with them and tell them like, this is a completely different ball game. Like if you think that what you're doing right now is challenging, like it's, it's going to be different if that's what you want to do. And I want to support you through whatever you decide. Um, But let's keep, I always err on the side of caution. And I always say, let's keep going with this for the next few months and see, cause I need to see that their habits are, are fine. Right. I need to see and trust that if I were to give them a protocol, like for contest prep, or if we were going to start growing for that, or think about that, um, that they would be a hundred percent like, and they're not, they're ready for it because you have to be ready for that. There's different stages of your fitness journey where, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever felt this Ash, but like where, you know, you've leveled up and you know, your level of dedication has gotten higher. And it gets, and it still gets higher. Like even now, like 
as I train and as I get into more deeper into bodybuilding, like the level of dedication increases as time goes because my knowledge grows. Um, and so it's the same thing for people that are just starting in lifestyle. So exactly. if they, if they're competitors or they come to me and they want to compete in the future, that's a different story. Obviously that programming is much different. Um, so I, yeah, I personally have never done that. They've, they've done it themselves. And, um, I haven't had a lifestyle client that I felt was like, oh yeah, let's do this. Like, could you, could, could you handle this? Like I would probably, if I were going to, if I were going to approach it, I would ask them, what do you think about this? Because you live the lifestyle, but it would right. only be because they live the lifestyle, you know? Right. Coaching with bodybuilding principles is much different than being a bodybuilder. Right. And like, it's a mindset, Absolutely. it's a way of life. And so you have to understand that if you were going to make that jump, it's one hell of a jump and you have to be in it. If you mm -hmm. want to be successful, like this, it's not a talk about, Oh, I'm a bodybuilder and you compete and do shows. But like, if you really want to be a fucking bodybuilder and you really want to win, it is a completely different mm -hmm. mental game. hundred mm percent. -hmm. For sure. And I think people don't, people see others on stage and they think it looks cool, but they don't understand the back end work that goes into it. Mm -hmm. um, the back end effort and not only just training, it's like a, it's a 24 seven job, you know, mm -hmm. and um, you have to be mentally ready to to do that. I, when I started, I waited until I was completely ready to let go of literally let go of my previous life. Mm -hmm. I, and that's 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 a lot saying. That's a lot saying um, I was until I was ready to let it go. And even while I was prepping for my sh first show, I still had a hard time. Um, really, how do I say this? Putting other things to the side before like myself, myself always had to be first. And I was still kind of putting other people's feelings and what other people wanted me to do first. And it's a hard transition. It's a very hard transition. Um, but once you're in it, you're in it. Yep. So you, you'll never be the same. You also have to remember, like, you'll never be the same. after. Exactly. You, you think you'll be you'll be able to go back to your previous lifestyle afterward. And it doesn't work like that um, because you you learn so much more. I mean, if it's for you, you'll never be the same. If it's not for you, you'll go back and you, you won't care about it anymore. If it's a, if it's a bucket list thing, then it wasn't for you in the first place. So <clears throat> exactly. There's that. All right. Uh, preferred dumbbell shoulder press setup. All right. Um, so something I want to mention here for dumbbell shoulder press is that your bench should not be 90 degrees. Mm -hmm. It should be 75 to 80 degrees. It should have a short, a, a very small angle. Um, unless you have like great mobility and strict form, you usually end up arched aggressively with shoulder blades sitting at the top of the bench. Okay. So you should be slightly bent. Like your, your incline should be 75, 80 degrees. Um, so that you can push like effectively push the, the, uh, dumbbells up without, uh, arching aggressively with your shoulder blades now. Right. And, and it also causes pain. Like who would want to shoulder press like that. I don't know. It's, mm -hmm. it's very painful. Um, also remember that your elbow, your shoulder pathway and where your elbow should be sat are not going to be in line with your shoulder. So like a lot of people will flare out their elbows when really like the best way to figure out if your path, what your pathway is, is to simply bring your arms up and see where they fall. 
Right. And where they fall is where you press. You don't bring your shoulders, you don't retract back your shoulders and press um, with your sh- uh, shoulders <laughs> in line with your um, elbows. You just simply, it's going to be at a slight angle. That's how humans mechanically push things. Um, and so that's a great way to, to recognize um, how, what your movement pathway is going to be. It's just by simply bringing your arms up as if you were lifting something up and where do your hands fall? Where do your arms fall? That's where you're going to push up. Um, don't pinch your, your back or your shoulder blades back. Um, do you have any uh, tidbits there? Right. I personally don't dumbbell press anymore because I have a really awesome gym, but mm-hmm. the, the machine that I use, I have, there are two different machines, um, but the body master CX shoulder press, mm-hmm. it's like a converging motion. And again, it's kind of at that incline, like you were saying, like between like, like probably around 80 between 80 mm-hmm. and 70 degrees. But when I'm pushing with that machine, elbows are slightly in front compared to my shoulder and mm-hmm. the movement pathway is just butter with that. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, again, not making sure I'm retracting my shoulder blades, like making sure that however, my, my natural mechanics, mm-hmm. usually elbows are going to be slightly in front, you know, core is still engaged. Like, again, you don't want to have like a sloppy midsection, mm-hmm. but you want to make sure that you're just like not arching so hard that like, oh, mm-hmm. like if you watch your video on the playback and it looks like you're about to snap, like I'd have a real honest to God conversation <laughs> about, um, that lift and how like your mechanics are kind of like working with that specific lift. But mm-hmm. other than that, like, also I try not to have athletes overthink it. Cause I think sometimes a lot of the things is like, they're always so worried about proper form. And it's like, well, well also what comes naturally, because mm-hmm. like, if I'm trying to give you a cue of what works for me and it doesn't work for you. And like, Mm -hmm. obviously that's going to cause an issue. So like you were saying, like find what your body's natural kind of starting point is when you think about doing a shoulder press and find where, you know, that shoulder and that elbow mechanic is in relationship to one another Mm -hmm. and then press the weight up and see if that connection with the shoulder feels good to you. Right. Exactly. You hit it right on the head because everyone's mechanics are different. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like I have some of my clients that really where their pathway falls is they, their elbows are a lot more in front. Mm-hmm. than than mine are you know and it's be, just because they're more anterior doesn't mean that it's wrong you know right. it, that's where they are going to get the most engagement and so it's all about the pathway that is safest that prevents injury one and that gives the most engagement right okay because you want you don't want the risk to be more than the reward which is right. why you don't want your shoulder press mm-hmm. to be 90 or your bench to be 90 degrees because that's just the risk of it is just like, why would you do it? Right. Um, it might feel harder, but that's because it's painful. It's because right. it's not supposed to be happening. Um, so take those uh, tips and correct your shoulder press if, if you don't know some of these things. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Next question. First thing you look at when reading blood work, and I think we want to take a step back yeah. because everyone's on say. this, on this blood you're work, say. <laughs> everyone's on this blood work train, but first off, we need to understand, okay, we need to make sure we're ordering the right lab work because blood work is just one piece of the puzzle. But if your client is coming to you, if your athlete is coming to you with like gut issues and you're like, okay, go, go get some blood work. Like one, that's might not be super helpful until you Mm -hmm. start working with them. But like, there are different lab works to get, like you can get a Dutch test, Mm -hmm. you can get a GI map. You want to make sure that if you're ordering blood work, that you are getting a comprehensive blood work because Mm -hmm. most general blood works like that, a 
doctor will order is like, yeah, it will involve like, you know, maybe basic sex hormones, maybe, maybe CBC, maybe CMP, but like, as far as thyroid and stuff like that, like it doesn't usually give a great comprehensive, Mm -hmm. you know, spectrum that, you know, the, for the variables that we like to look over as coaches and as other um, people in the functional health realm. So first things first, make sure you're ordering the right lab work, Mm -hmm. but when you're reading blood work, it's, it's not like when you're looking at it that, you know, your eyes immediately are like, Oh, we're going to go straight to thyroid. Like, again, Mm -hmm. it's going to be the context of the client. Like exactly you, all of it's important, right? Like you should be Mm -hmm. going like section by section, because if you have like some red flags, let's say in the CBC chart, like maybe their white blood cell count is off. Like Mm -hmm. that's important to know. Like Mm -hmm. there could be, you know, reasons for why their white blood cell count is maybe higher or lower. Maybe it's because they were dieting for too long and that their immune system is weakened. If it's a high value, maybe they're inflamed or maybe there's an infection or something like that. So all of it's important. So you need to go section by section, write out the outliers that are, you know, that make you raise an eyebrow and then kind of make connections with symptoms or problems that they're experiencing that they've told you. And then obviously as you work with that client, like addressing those issues, preferably with their lifestyle first. And then supplementation second, but I think sometimes coaches get like supplementation crazy because they're like, Oh, we we see you have like poor blood lipids. Okay. Well, rather than doing your diet first here, go take some, like, yeah, (laughs) go take like a citrus burger or something like that. And it's like, hold on. Like, what can we do lifestyle wise first? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, I mean, I've even not been clear about blood work and ordered the wrong blood work before. Mm -hmm. Um, so just make sure that you have everything you need. And honestly, these things, I mean, if you're paying out of pocket, like they're pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you are using and spending your money wisely um, and listening to your coach and what they need. A lot of times what I, what all of us see, this is across the board is most practitioners like won't order blood work unless there's something wrong. Right. Um, and so it's very frustrating because it's not, it's like, well, your health markers could be fine, but we see something in your biofeedback that we need to look at, or we might be wanting to implement a protocol that we need to see blood work for, like performance enhancing drugs, something like that. But we need to see blood work first before we do those things, or maybe you're coming off, or maybe you're coming out of prep. We know that if you're coming out of prep, your hormones are going to be much, they're, they're not going to be an optimal place. Mm -hmm. Um, and so your doctor is not going to be able, just because you don't have signs of that, um, your, your doctor can't tell you that there's, oh, there's nothing wrong. So there's, we shouldn't, we don't need to do a full metabolic panel for you. Um, and so it's, it's important that you think about that, like, and you might have to pay out of pocket. You might have to go to life extension and that's okay. Um, and as far as like it being like specific to what you're to what the coach needs to look for and what to ask for. So for example, I was, I was talking to someone, um, I won't name any names. I was talking to someone this past week who said she hasn't had a period since 2015 and yeah. And her blood work looks fine. Like everything looks fine. And I said, this sounds like you might want to look at a Dutch test. Like you might want to look at a, a, I think it's a court, a big cortisol issue and you need to see what, how you're metabolizing it. And you can't see that from your coach reading blood work. Um, 
And I'm, I'm not here to step on your coach's toes. Like, but I think that you, you, you need to look at some other things to help what's going on, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And so that's a, a prime example of needing to get the right tests because it seems like everything's fine, but not everything's fine. This person hasn't ha- had a menstrual cycle since 2015. Right. So, um, that's what you definitely want to focus on. So cool exactly. stuff there. Good question. Mm-hmm. Weirdest slash best food combination in prep versus off season. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything with mustard in prep, like Yo, anything no. with mustard. <laughs> I am, I'm actually obsessed with mustard in the off season. I, mean, I am too, but like, I'm very obsessed just, with it. <laughs> just squirt it in the mouth and prep for sure. <laughs> Um, no mustard is go, especially like, I like the stone ground or Dijon, like mm-hmm. oof. spicy Brown, oof. spicy yeah. Brown's good too. Spicy Brown. Yeah. Um, I guess off season. Okay. So I was, I actually have, I do have a weird food. I like in the off season. That is my little guilt. It's like my little guilty, like I smoke too much weed and I need some food volume type thing. So I I'll take six rice cakes only on rest days only on rest days. I don't do this on training days. Um, only on rest days. If I feel like it, I'll have six rice cakes with a pack of tuna, 14 grams of almond butter and a laughing cow cheese. And I'll spread all these toppings on the, the rice cakes and I'll just eat them like, like they're, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't really sound that weird, but it sounds like a ghetto charcuterie board is what it sounds like. And I'll have six of those motherfuckers and I'll like sit there and I'm like, sometimes like, you know, I've, I've just gotten too high and I just need to like, I just need to have like a lot of volume. And so most of the time that's, and it has to be six rice cakes. So I can put two toppings on each. So I could put like the tuna topping on two of them on the laughing cow cheese on two of them, and then the almond butter on two of them. So that's like my weird off season thing. And then prep, honestly, I don't have anything that weird in prep. Um, I just kind of deal with the, the, I have just dealt with the hunger. My first, my first show, I did weird things. Like I tried to make, um, like I've made like egg, egg white pizzas, like put like, oh, it sounds nasty now. Like put the, like had the base of the, of the pizza quote be egg whites and then I would put like marinara sauce on top and cheese and, and uh, pepperoni and I acted like it was a pizza it was stupid um but like I've done stuff like that but I don't really do that anymore I'll just stay on a meal plan yeah so yeah as far as my like off season I don't know I really enjoyed like like I started to eat butter like um Costco has like the Kerrygold butter so I've like spread that on some. rice cakes and like some. oh my gosh with so like sick. salt and garlic and I it's like a, a mock like garlic bread I'm not like anti-bread I just like it's not just something I enjoy normally like I don't know like I really like Ezekiel bread but my husband doesn't and because he has like a peanut butter and almond butter same or uh, almond butter and jelly sandwich every day like mm-hmm. we get him the Dave's killer and like, I have beef with Dave's killer because they're like bread serving size says 45 grams. But when you weigh it out, it's like fucking 53 grams. And that just bugs me. So I just tend not to eat it. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I like doing rice cakes with like butter. And like I said, like either I might do like savory, I might put like garlic and salt on it, or I might go like put some fruit on it or something like that. Like 
again, I don't think it's necessarily the best, but it's weird because yeah. it's off season and you feel like rice cakes, like aren't really in the off season, but like, whatever. Um, as far as like in prep, like I was, a, I mean, my, my first prep was with a coach that like, it was IIFYM. So I did like all of the, uh, the like Joseph's lavash stuff. I would have like pizzas with that. Like mm-hmm. I would do, I wouldn't do like, um, shit. I can't think of the guy's name, Greg Doucette. I wouldn't do his like, um, volume thing where you put like guar shit or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would make my own. Cause like the protein powder I use at the time, like you could do like blueberries, cauliflower and protein powder and whip it in a food processor and it would aerate. So there wasn't any guar gum or anything in it that would like make it like substantial, but like I would do that and it would taste like ice cream and air quotes. Uh, but mostly it was like zucchini and cauliflower and oats and you would make it taste like zucchini bread or something like that just for volume and that's obviously weird as fuck to like someone who's normal yeah. <laughs> um but I feel like among competitors it's like you know as soon as you bring out the cauliflower rice and zucchini they're like oh I know I know what's going yeah. on yeah I've I mean I've done like oh this is actually really bad and in when I was doing if it fits your macros I used to use xanthan gum a lot um yeah like to fluff up like yeah her face is funny right now but (laughs) to fluff up my like protein um ice cream I would use xanthan gum um and now I would never use it like now Mm. I would never put that in my body if I don't have to like I'm just not gonna do it unless it's like a sugar-free condiment or something like that where it's already in there but um yeah I would use xanthan gum and xanthan gum is like fibrous um so I would use that as like a way to get fiber (laughs) It's a double whammy. Yeah. So I would, yeah, don't do that. Um, So these are more just mistakes more than they are weird. I think uh, now that we're talking about it, but now like in prep, I'm on a meal plan. So there's really no room and I'll wait until my next meal. I'll just sit there hungry. Um, There's no, like I, there's no sugar-free jelly uh, or sugar-free jello. There's no, like, I'm going to have a cucumber with some hot sauce on it to help. Like, there's none of that, like, with me. It's oh, just, that actually just sounds good. Like, yeah, just, I mean. Like, straight up sounds good. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that. I mean, um, but I won't do that anymore. I'll probably just stick to only my meals so that I don't even have to think about, like, yeah. tracking. Um, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure Mark, yeah, I've been in a prep with him. Uh, well, I started a prep with him, and it was meal plan. Mm-hmm. So, and he'll only do meal plans. And so. Yeah, I've decided that when I go into prep and, like, four or five years that I'm just going to have to put on a meal plan. Like, yeah. I, I mean, don't you don't want to think, think. Yeah. you don't want to think like, why would you just use that time? Like in between your meals to like work, right. Like, or to yeah. like, you know, do things for yourself, but I've gotten so overthinking, um, because, and I just having fatigue from being able to make combinations. Like I, I just, was over it at one point. And that's why I went to Mark. Cause I knew he would make me a meal plan even mm-hmm. in the off season. And I, he was, he asked me like, do you want to, I know you can track macros. Like, do you want to do a meal plan? I said, yes. Like I want a meal plan. I don't care if I'm in the off season. I just don't want to think. And yep. that like took that like decision took my stress levels from here and choice fatigue from here to like way down here. Right. You know? And it helped me a lot in my um, progress. So um, if you went on vacation for a few days, how would you adjust your own protocols? I wouldn't. I would I, just- say, I, like, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't. I still I execute. Like, my- <laughs> we're both uh, both faces reading this question. We were like, 
Yeah. <laughs> I would um I would make it so I I have everything I need. That's, yeah, that's exactly. just what it would like, be. You- I, I <laughs> So here's the thing is that a lot of times people will go on now it depends on the intent of the vacation. Mm-hmm. Now if it's like you're getting married, your honeymoon, whatever and you you don't want to do all that, that's different. But to be honest with you, I probably still would. At least like for most of the time or from I might have a few free meals here and there. Yeah. Um but the the plan is still the same. Um and so a lot of times people will go away for a few days and you you'd be surprised on how many people just throw their hands in the air without even trying. Like right. they don't even tr- just because they walked out the house, they like can't they can't take their food. Like or they can't like think about going to the grocery store when they get to their destination. They can't do it. That all of a sudden they can't train. And it's crazy to me because like when I go somewhere, I'm thinking, how am I going to eat and how am I going to train mm-hmm. that? I, I don't care where I'm going. Um, and if whoever I'm going with has a problem with it. Tough, tough. Yeah. yeah. Like that sucks because that's, this is what I do. Um, and so, yeah, how do I adjust my own protocols? I don't, I figure out how it's going to freaking work. And, um, I will usually bring my, all my food when I fly, I will bring most of the food that I need when I, that anything that I can travel with, um, and bring it there so I can save money. And then if I can go Instacart stuff or go to the store to get stuff, I'll do that because at the end of the day, if I were to just go on a vacation and not worry about eating, you know how little I would eat? Like, yeah. I wouldn't, I probably would eat like twice a day because that's what normal people do. So like, I have to bring my food in order to eat enough. And my thing is always eating enough. It's not my, my, my fear is not overeating. Um, it's, yeah, it's not eating enough. Yeah, and I think, same. and I think there's always this fear of, oh, I'm going to overeat if I eat out. But for me, it's kind of like, I just don't want to undereat. Mm-hmm. I don't want to not get the food in. Um, and so I have to, in order to do that, like I have to bring my food. And so I'll bring my food. I'll figure out what type, if I have, if I'm in a hotel, what type of hotel, um, gym they have, if it's not what I need or what I can work with, if I'm in a gym in the area that I'll go to for a few days, get a guest pass. Um, I'll make sure that I have transportation there. Like I went to a conference before COVID, like right before COVID in Delaware. And, um, I Ubered to the freaking gym. Like I, I snuck away and I went to the gym still and I still tracked my meals and I still brought my food. And I remember telling Mark like, Hey, I went to this conference, but everything was good. Protocols were good. I still worked out. And he was like, wow, like most, most people wouldn't even think that far. Like they would just throw their hands in the air when, when there's, when they started uh, traveling, but this was when he first started, like Mm -hmm. when he didn't have like the clients that he has now. Right. But that happens to me all the time where it's like my clients will clients will say like, hey, I'm going on this trip. I won't be able to do anything. And I'll ask them, why do why do you think that? You know, why do you think that you can't do anything? What could you do? Right. You know, I ask them that question. What could you do while you're out there um, instead of just saying, well, whatever, I'm not doing it. What, what about you? Um, for me, like you pretty much answered it. Like I didn't take really vacations, but I had to go up to Ohio unexpectedly for a funeral and then for a wedding. Um, and all of my meals were packed. Like we had a giant ass cooler and all of my meals were packed up until Sunday. And then Monday when we would travel back, like I would have all the food that I needed, but just not assembled yet. So therefore like it would be a bit fresher. 
Um, but yeah, we have a giant ass cooler and we take all of our food. I still go to Costco. I buy all my same things. I pack all of my meals, mm-hmm. pack my gym bag, pack all of my health subs, all of my, you know, gym subs, and we just drive. And, you know, when we drive to Ohio, that's a 10 to 12 hour drive. I still get my steps in. I still mm-hmm. drink my water. You know, I still eat all my meals. And like you said, when you get to your destination, you make sure you have a gym that is, you know, reasonably, you know, accessible for whatever your programming is and you make it work. Like rather than being so quick to make excuses for why you can't, Mm -hmm. why don't you be quick to find a way to make it work? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like, it's really that simple. Like if you're really stressing that hard over like a few days vacation where you can't be on your protocol and you're not even willing to make it work. I feel like you need to check yourself and check your motives. Cause like, clearly you don't want this enough. If like a vacation is stressing you out to the point where you're like, Oh, I can't do anything. Yeah. Well, you can, you're just choosing (laughs) to freak out over a change in variable Mm -hmm. when all I'm sure all of your your coach ever wants is for you just to be adaptable. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. So you're not going to be able to do, you know, maybe a shoulder press on this Cybex machine that you've been doing the past three months you can still use dumbbells, you know, Mm -hmm. like make it work, ask your coach how you can make it work. But at the end of the day, it's up to you to actually just follow through with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I had something else to say. I forgot, but yeah, you just, um, it's, it's yeah, let's just move on. (laughs) Make it work. Just make it work. Make it work. Just make it work. (laughs) Um, it's really not that difficult. Yeah. Again, it depends on the nature of the vacation, but right, it's still the first thing in anyone's mind if this is your priority. So, mm-hmm. cool. Agreed. Agreed. Shoulder blades retracted or relaxed during the bench. So I'm going to go first and say, because I have a breast augmentation, my pec activation is shit. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I went over the muscles so I can still train pecs, like the activation is just not there. So the only way I'm able to get extra um, activation is if I'm doing a seated cable press that um set up that thomas put up when he was doing his like challenge or whatever for like pec videos like that was that is literally the only setup where i can mildly feel pec activation mm-hmm. and everything else is shit so for me my shoulder blades are not going to be retracted because if i try to retract them it's mm-hmm. too much for my brain to comprehend so the only mm-hmm. thing that i think of when doing a bench is I keep my sternum up. So kind mm-hmm. of like boobs pushed out yes. and then I'm bringing mm-hmm. my biceps to the midline together, almost like I'm trying to give somebody a hug with my elbows. Yeah. That's Definitely. what I think of when benching. I don't think mm-hmm. about my shoulder blades, just mm-hmm. dead ass. Yeah. So for somebody that doesn't have a breast log, <laughs> um, the scapula should slightly retract in internally rotate just slightly so that you can push like what you're talking about, um, push your chest out. Um, and it's, it should be high in the air. It should be not like, not like back arching, like power lifting type thing. You don't necessarily need to do all that, but yes, they should retract slightly so that you can stretch the chest as much as you can. Cause you want the most range of motion, right? You want, you want the most you can get. Um, and so you do want to slightly retract your shoulder blades to answer this question. Um, When they're relaxed, you are using a lot more arms, a lot more uh, tricep. So if you're trying to activate the chest, yes, you should slightly retract your shoulder blades. Nothing crazy, just slightly internally rotate um, so that you can push push those muscles out and be able to stretch them uh, completely on on your way down. 
So, and again, oh, I like your, I like your cue about pushing up and imagining that you're hugging something. Um, because if you just kind of push the, push the weight up without thinking about squeezing the, the pecs or that you're hugging something or pushing, like I say, like pushing something in between, like holding something in between my, my, uh, elbows when they're up. Yeah. Like if you're trying to balance something, um, if you're not thinking about that, you're more than likely missing out on a lot of engagement. So I'll let you do this. So this upcoming yeah. one, <laughs> So, how do you get enough protein as a vegan slash vegetarian and what are some go-to sources? So honestly, you could even ask this for someone who eats meat, like how do you get enough protein? You prioritize it. Like you mm-hmm. make sure that when you're planning your meals, you prioritize your protein first. Now, with that being said, like you have to make sure you're picking the right sources as a vegan or vegetarian. So vegetarians have a little bit more wiggle room because chances are they can do things like eggs and egg whites, um, which obviously is going to have a better protein source in terms of amino acid profile. But for someone who is vegan, like you want to make sure you're prioritizing protein sources that have better amino acid availability, which is actually, we already did a podcast on this. Um, forget what episode it was, but we already did kind of go in depth about proper sources, but for someone who's vegan, you want to make sure you're prioritizing like a soy isolate or a pea isolate. Cause those are going to be the most bioavailable. Then you can look to things like tofu. Um, you can look into things like textured vegetable protein or TPP for short. Um, which is just, again, soy, it's a dehydrated soy. So it's going to be lower in fat, which is going to be better for maybe like a post-workout or even a Mm -hmm. pre-workout. Um, you can look into things like longev crumbles or or longev crumbles, which are a pea-based crumble. Again, I think they're sourced from like yellow peas. So again, they're higher in protein. Mm -hmm. Um, also just peas in general tend to be good. If you're going to rely off something like seitan or that vital wheat gluten, I would highly, highly, highly recommend you pair it with something like lentils or beans because mm-hmm. seitan in and of itself, like the, the wheat, like digestibility score was like 0.36, I think, which is not mm-hmm. good when the, the good, the goal is number one. So you want to make sure you're pairing that properly. Um, other sources, you can do tempeh, which is a fermented soy. So that's going to be a better source. Um, Mm -hmm. mock meats too, but usually mock meats are going to be, um, wheat based. Mm -hmm. So if you are relying off mock meats, um, just make sure you're reading like what's in there, because if it's like soy based, you're going to be again, a bit better with that protein digestibility. If it's like a wheat based, I would try to pair it with something else. Like I said, like a legume bean lentil, just so that way you have a better, you know, pool of amino acids when digesting. Mm -hmm. Um, other than that, I can't think of any other main sources, like obviously like there's beans and rice, but that's, eh, that's not my go-to personally. Like when I was vegan, that was not my go-to. Right. And you hit it on the head. I don't have anything to say about that. Good job. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) All right. Uh, last question. Um, how do you go about picking supplement brands? All right. So a couple of things with supplements. One, they should be third party, uh, tested. So this ensures the highest level of quality control of the product and manufacturing. Um, so the product will have purity and just potency, um, <clears throat> and it should be lab tested. So it should be something that is that the integrity of the, you know, the integrity of the brand when they do third party testing and two, um, 
Morphogen is GMP certified. GMP, I was just about to say GMP. That's yeah. like a big one for me. GMP is good, means good manufacturing practice. Um, uh, so these products are produced in GMP facilities and they're FDA registered. I'm trying to use my words correctly. They're FDA registered and audited for quality control. So they're audited. They're, they basically, it basically says that they're being held accountable for the products that they have and that they're doing. And so, um, yeah, so those are two things that are big for me. Um, and then obviously like when I'm thinking about what products, it depends one on what the client needs. And like, if I, like, if I have you on omegas, like they should be, it should have the correct dosing, like for what we need for it. So if, if I'm trying to lower, we're trying to lower inflammation. Well, an, an omega dose of less than probably two, two grams is not going to do much. Um, we need a little bit over that. So what is, what does morphogen have? I think it's like four something. I think it's like four grams, like a little over four grams. So I'm looking at the dose and what we're actually going to need because it's like, right. Like we know the benefits of omega threes and, and omegas in general, but if you're not dosing it at the proper, if you're not dosing it properly, it's not going to do anything for you. And if, and it makes sense to purchase from a place that has those dosages in place because they know what they're doing, right. right? They know exactly what's going on. And so I'll first take into account like those two things as stated uh, being GMP um, certified and then also third-party lab tested. And then I'll think about what are, what doses do we need? Is it going, to, is it feasible for you cost-wise? So those are also things for, for clients as well. Obviously you're going to get what you pay for. Sometimes I have to tell people like, suck it up. I need you to get this one. Um, but for, I'll think, I'll think about all of those things. It really depends on what we need for the client. Um, and then cost effective, is it, is it beneficial enough for them to have them spend money on it? So. Exactly. And then another thing I think it's important is like, obviously people who like mentor us will have just greater experience with like certain brand recognition. And so like, you know, if Austin says that this brand is what he uses for like, you know, a for maybe like a cyber protocol, obviously I'm going to trust it because I trust Austin. So there, there's also some mentorship, there's anecdotal evidence as well. You know, even just lab work, like if you've been mm-hmm. using a certain supplement for a long time and your labs have not changed, mm-hmm. you know, that's something you should definitely pay attention to as mm-hmm. well. Um, but then just, you know, going off of maybe not what your favorite influencer uses, but again, like doing your own research and are the brains that you're using, is there an efficacy dose mm-hmm. in place in the supplement? is it producing results? Like, is there, like I said, if we're looking at things like labs, do you see noticeable changes? And then also like making sure that like, you know, like Britt said, it has like, you know, GMP as Mm -hmm. well as just that third party testing. Like that's so, so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it it really, it depends. Cause there's going to be clients that are like, well, I want to use a different brand. You know, I don't want to use this brand or I've never used that brand. Um, And there's a lot of like, okay, like, why have you always used this brand? Does it actually work for you? Or is it something that you've just always used? And that's what you think is best. Um, And so I always try to tell them there are other brands that might work better for you. So let's try those. Um, If I don't want to, I don't want to fix something that's not broken, right? Like if you've been using something and you like it, cool. But there could also be other avenues we could take that will benefit you more. So you have to be open-minded with it. Mm-hmm. 
And so, yeah, that's how, that's how I choose at least. Cause there's at the end of the day, like lots of different brands do lots of different things, but you have to have the base and know what you're doing as far like dose wise. And then what you want the, what do you want the result to be? Do you want to improve lab work? Well, I know for sure that it Morphotest helps lab work because I've seen it. Right. So I know you like that other brand, but this one is going to work. So, you know, so it's a lot of like, uh, it's a lot of that type of stuff. I was about to ask any other questions, but we don't have any other questions. (laughs) Uh, Oh my goodness. (laughs) Questions, comments, concerns? Questions, questions, comments, confessions? Confessions. Confessions? Ooh, Ooh, I like that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. Well, Thank you all for listening. This was fun. I like this. It was fun. It was very refreshing. I want to do it again. Um, next week we'll see you. I don't know what we're talking about next week, but we will. I'm trying to get, get a to guess. It. Yeah, let's get a guess. Let's have a guess next week. <laughs> she goes, "I need a break." Let's get. A yeah, guess. I need a fucking break. <laughs> <laughs> let's have someone else talk. <laughs>